welcome to Rebel High Command Cast, an Imperial Assault podcast for 2023 and beyond. This podcast is hosted by the IA Command YouTube channel and sponsored by listeners like you through Patreon. If you want to support IA content in 2023, head over to patreon.com slash IA Command and become a patron today. This is episode number 21. I am your host, TV Boy, a.k.a. Noah, and I'm joined by my co-host, The Second Flock, a.k.a. Wesley. Wesley, how you doing? Hey, doing doing all right. Had a very long day yesterday, and I've got a long day today, too. But it's good to record some Star Wars. Yeah, always good to talk about Imperial Assault, right? Yeah, yeah. always. Alright, so the main topic of our episode today is we're going to be going over the detailed steps of an attack from step zero all the way to after resolving an attack. Um, so I think this will be very informative and enlightening for a lot of players. I think this is a very confusing uh, part of the game for a lot of people. Uh, even experienced and advanced players sometimes mess up um, when things happen during an attack. So. Uh, this will be a good episode, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'd just like to point out there's a big consolidation of all the rules throughout the game. That's the Posse's Consolidated Rules document. And it's got like every single term in the game and its definition. The entry for attacks is two and a half pages long. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a whole thread on Board Game Geek about how everything resolves during an attack, and we're actually going to be referencing that pretty heavily during this episode. So um, I'll put a link right. to that in the description in the uh, YouTube video. And of course, if you're listening on audio on your um, audio device, you'll get a li- you'll see a link to the YouTube video with which has everything linked in the video description. All right. Well, before we get into our main episode, I will do community updates here. Um, and I'll actually do these live. I have the updates for you guys. So I wanted to mention that the Season 8 FAQ for IACP, uh, that's the official changes document that lists all the new cards and um, has the FAQ, like rules FAQs, that will have gone up by the time you're hearing this on Monday the 15th. Um, I just finished it and I'm kind of cleaning it up and cleaning up the, uh, the notes for that. So definitely check that out if you are interested in seeing some of the rules FAQs that we're putting into the new Season 8 cards. Uh, the other thing I wanted to state is that Season 8, uh, the Playtesting League, for anyone that still wants to join, that is open um, continually. So you we, we are able to add new people. We've moved over from Challenge to a new site called Roll Better, which is um, a bit of a... a uh, work in progress, um, but the person managing it is very active in making updates and is taking requests, and their um, site is much more robust and much more has much more features than Challenge does, so we're able to do a lot more with that site now um, with the league as far as adding people and um, changing results, manual results, manual pairings, that sort of thing. Um, Wesley, did you have anything you wanted to uh, include in the updates for this episode? No. Are you still, <laughs> uh, you still no, streaming? Yes, yes, I do still stream over on YouTube.com slash The Second Flock. Um, didn't do any this week, just had a lot going on, 
but uh, I actually had one or two people come to me and go, "Hey, you doing the stream this week? Hey, you got you ready for a rematch?" <laughs> so we'll we're gonna see some more on there. Okay, so for that's sure. Tuesdays, we usually do right? Tuesdays. Yes, yes. Right, uh, so this Tuesday. coming Tuesday, however, I will probably be doing a late Lego Star Wars stream. I tried to get that up for May the fourth and spent that night. Uh, Fixing my computer's webcam and then fixing my entire computer when installing drivers oh, kind of turned off every USB device. That sucks, yeah. I've been yeah. Kind of in a so we'll life. see if I can get that up and return to a Star Wars Imperial Assault live stream the next Tuesday after that. Okay. Alright, so let's get into our next segment. So, uh, uh, comms chatter is where we shout out a individual listener's comment on the YouTube page, uh, usually on the episodes themselves, on the podcast episodes. Uh, if you want to have your question answered or comment read on the air, just go ahead and leave a comment on the YouTube channel, on the uh, podcast videos, or send an email to iCommand01 at gmail.com. Uh, this week we are going to be answering a question from Pwned, who is one of our new um, IACP community members. Uh, been very active uh, play in playtesting Season 8. Um, love to see how many new people we've gotten for Season 8. A lot of people on uh, Discord looking for games, playing each other. I love it. It's awesome. Um, so Pwned left a comment on the previous episode, and I guess it's been two weeks since we recorded, or I guess we skipped a week, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. And he said, there's some talk about how the Rebel Care Package is often viewed as the default option uh, in this episode, and I rarely see a scum list without Jabba. With support figures being as important as they are, is there a reason Jabba isn't taken very often by the Empire? And that would be with um, Temporary Alliance. Yep. So I'm bringing up Jabba now on the screen for those watching the video. Um, so yeah, that's a. I, I thought that was a great question. Um, a lot of people think of bringing Jabba because he lets you draw a card for an action in Empire, which is something Empire usually lacks. Uh, he also gives you VP acceleration when you defeat figures, but there's mm -hmm. a bit of a problem with Jabba, right? Which is that his incentivize yeah. action, which lets you focus a figure, can only target scum figures. And the same is true Is his for order double hit. action also that way? Yep. Order hit, which is yeah. double action, spend two, v, spend two VPs to have a friendly figure, or any figure perform an attack, uh, but it's really just a friendly figure. Uh, that one only targets uh, scum figures. Yep. So the main reason people won't bring Java is because you then really want to bring a second scum unit to get those incentivizes and order hits. Uh, but if that goes down, Java becomes a one-action figure. Yeah, he draws a card for six points, and that's all he does. Yeah, he does give you some extra VPs as well. Um, I would say it's not yeah. completely outside the realm of playability. If you bring him with, like another scum queen piece that is going to stick around for a while, like maybe mm. Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's I think it's plausible, and I have seen it done recently, within the last few months, and the person who played it did win. Um, I'm trying to remember what they were playing, but uh, 
might look that up right now. But um, you'd have to get. I don't know how many VPs would you, how many VPs and cards drawn would you feel like you'd need to get from Jabba to for him to be worth his six points. Ooh, well, in Scum, I just take Jabba for granted. <laughs> so I think that uh, in Empire, I would want to at least get the two focuses, like round one, round two, uh-huh. um, and I'd say three card draws. Three card draws, okay. Yeah. Well, so then. And I normally focuses, don't so you, take so you, the the VPs into account, although I think that's a that's a failing on my part as a player. So you would need that scum figure to last until round three and attack on round three, right? Well, because I you mean, if you, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I think what I would do though is bring Jabba in a Empire list where you're bringing a scum two unit deployment card as your second choice, like the HK Assassin Droids or Super Commandos. Ah, that's that's smart. Yeah. So you have multiple figures. So that, that way you have focus. Yeah, you have insurance on getting that focus. Oh, maybe so. Maybe in like an HK list with Soren or something. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. see. Okay, yeah, he's played in. He has played in three games, and he won two games out of the three uh, in Empire. Sorry, I had to hold up. I had to open up my old season seven data uh, to get that information. I think to clear up another. Um conception here is that we say that Empire has issues drawing cards, but there is Rule by Fear, which lets you draw two at the beginning of the game. And yes, you discard one, and I used to undervalue how good this card was, uh, but when you think about cards that give you a card per round, such as Java or R2-D2, you, you, you like go, okay, well eventually that's way more than Rule by Fear's two at the beginning of the game. Uh, but then you Stopped and you start to realize over time that Imperial Assault is really a three-round game. Sometimes it's two rounds and sometimes it's four. Very rarely does it go to five or six. But usually you can expect a three-round game. And uh, Roll by Fear gives you those two cards up front, which is very valuable. Right, You're only one card behind what Java would give you throughout a typical game. Yeah, Roll by Fear is pretty much a staple in all Empire lists. Um, it's very rare that you see it not being taken, and it has a high win rate compared to lists that don't uh, run it. Like you said, it's basically mm-hmm. giving you two R2 draws up front for one point, and you just have to discard the weakest card in your hand um, to use it. Um, let's see, I found one. So there was a Kane Somos list with uh, Jabba and Migs Mayfeld with Jet Troopers and Captain Taro. Uh, that I one. I can see that. That one against a Jabba... Wait, Maul? Jabba Maul? Is this you? No, it's Chris. Joey, Joey used that against <laughs> Chris. Against the uh, Scum Force users list. Um, yeah, I might... 
might just move on here because it's going to take me a while to go through all these Jabba's <laughs> to find <laughs> the one that has temporary lines. Yeah, if you want to take that, I'll also point out another part of this comment that stuck out to me is uh, the part where he says, I rarely see a scum list without Jabba. And I think that was entirely true in the FFG days and even until recently. But I have started to see more and more where people will actually elect to not take Jabba. He's not the default for every scum list anymore. He's still, he, you can still see him as the default. Um, but I've seen people take Bib and Black Market or Black Market Prices, or Black Market, whichever one that is, the deployment card, mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, have a very offense-heavy package of attackers and just say those four points of support are enough for me. Or I'll see people take Afra with Bib and say that's their support. Or sometimes people will temporary lines in or use a Jabba to bring in droids and then also bring in Afra and just not need a Jabba in that list. Jabba's very good, but with the advent of ICP, there are other options. So I don't see it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I've only found um, two, which are both Joey playing it in that same list. Uh, but he won both of those games. I can't find the one that lost, so I don't know that one. But, uh, yeah, Jabba with uh, Migs Mayfeld, Kane Somos, <laughs> Captain Taro, and Jet Troopers. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's a good point. I've especially in the latest season, I've been seeing a more of a trend towards um, like high-efficiency lists uh, with very minimal support packages. Uh, I've seen this in Rebels, mm -hmm. too. People cutting down to just C-3PO and Gideon, or even just or even cutting them all together to go for like maximum uh, beef in their list. And so, uh, yeah, we don't always see Jabba, but he is very good at what he does, and that um, extra VP gain adds up. Yeah. All right. Um, so the rules question... Oh, yeah, let's do this first, and then we'll talk about games played. Um, rules question for this week's episode. Um, this comes from Journal. I think he just asked this last night, and I uh, answered it. I thought it was interesting. This is actually the first time... I, or that was the first time I'd actually... Um, had to think about this, um, but what happens when a technician, so this is going to be uh, relevant to Season 8, what happens when a technician plays Reverse Engineer uh, on Tress Haknua? And I'm bringing up the card, if I can do that in the right window. Um, what would be the value for X when using her surge abilities for cleave X and recover X. And as a reminder, reverse engineer is a zero point command card for technicians that lets you perform an attack. During the attack, you can use the surge abilities on the defender's deployment card instead of your own. And so bring up Tress. She has a surge for cleave X, surge for recover X, and she has create dragon fury, an ability that says, while attacking, X equals the number of surges rolled. So what happens? Have you, did you see the, my answer to this already? I did not. All right, what uh, do you but my think guess, will happen? Yeah, my guess is that since we don't have access to Tress's abilities when using Reverse Engineer, just her surge abilities, also that while 
Well, Tress only gets X to find while she is attacking anyways, and in this case, she would not be the attacker. Uh, so even if you could access Dragon Fury, uh, it wouldn't be while she's attacking. So I, my educated guess is that X is going to have to equal zero. Yeah, that was my take as well. Um, for all the reasons you just said, is that the attacker doesn't have Crate Dragon Fury, so they're not defining X. And even, like, if Tress's Crate Dragon Fury said, um, it di if it didn't have that wall attacking timing, if it just said X equals number of surges rolled, I would be open to that being able to define X for somebody attacking her. Uh, mm -hmm. But they were, I think they were clever in doing that so that if they wanted to make X cards in the future, that didn't mess with that, uh, that didn't interact poorly with those cards, so... Yeah. Because of that, um, there's nothing defining X while the technician is attacking Tress, and so, like you said, an undefined X value is pretty much zero or null or, or nothing. So it just doesn't do anything if you choose those abilities. Um, so I thought that was super uh, interesting. Yeah. Might have to throw that in the FAQ now. You know, I haven't seen anyone play Tress in a long time. <laughs> but that three-die attack looks pretty attractive. Yeah, she's okay. Um, the lack of ability to add damage with her surges is what hurts her, but she cleaves. Mm. She can do a lot of damage with cleave, especially with her spin kick, which effectively gives her, I think, like, cleave six. I don't think I've ever seen her command card. <laughs> oh, Okay. The attack gains cleave one and cleave two. Oh, so cleave oh three. Oh my gosh. Cleave one, cleave two, and cleave three. But it is just cleave one and cleave two. So yeah. Cleave but then you can add that three. to her own surges. On top of her surge for cleave X, she can. Um, yeah, that's how you play her. By the way, is you you don't you don't try to kill the thing you're attacking. You actually attack something else to kill the thing mm. next to Tress. With the. I've been the thinking about. So she's fun to play. Trying to do. Yeah, I've been thinking about trying to do, like, a low-cost brawler list. She might fit in pretty good. Yeah. Alright, speaking of brawlers, let's talk about some games we have played. Um, I have played a lot. I actually, uh... Oh, what's up? actually threw in a second rule question here, because I know we asked this the last time I played a game. Uh, we had a situation, and, uh... I think it's good to get out there. When you have a figure that can do a ranged cleave... Are you able to apply the cleave to a figure that you can only see if the attack target was defeated during the attack? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So, yeah, if you're doing a ranged cleave, um, and this, by the way, happens for cleave with reach as well, so it doesn't come up just for ranged cleave. Um, True. I'm getting a, an ad from Adblock, that's ironic. Um, <laughs> cleave, cleave, cleave. I'm just bringing it up for the YouTube video. Um, so yeah, if you have, oh, these guys don't have reach. Um, Gamorrean guards have reach and cleave. There we go. So if you are attacking somebody and, like they said, you have cleave X, and then you defeat the target, uh, can you then cleave onto somebody that you didn't have line of sight to? until the target died? And the answer is yes, uh, because 
cleave and blast both happen after the attack resolve. Uh, they are applied after the attack resolves, which means that the if the target would have been defeated during the attack, they are removed as soon as they suffer damage equal to their health. They're taken off the board. And so by the time you get to the after the attack resolves um, timing, uh, the defending figure will be gone if they were defeated, and you now can see your cleave target if they were hiding behind the defending figure. And so that kind of leads into our main topic later, because um, it's about yeah. order of attack, or steps of an attack. Um, Alright, I think that's good to have out there, and let's, uh, let's move on to your games. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, 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 it was good. I hadn't seen that one since I just woke up. <laughs> You answered it. <laughs> oh, I did? Oh, never mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I answered a lot of those questions on there. Um, so yeah, games we have played. I have been playing a ton of games, um, mostly because there's a lot more people of it online late at night now, and I, it's like when I actually have free time, it's from like 10 o'clock to midnight, so that's been great. Um, I've also been playing in the league. Let's see. Um, I played against... Morgan to test out a problematic uh, interaction with Lando and Double or Nothing. Uh, he was playing Lando, Leia, and Hero Luke, or Corset Luke, and um, yeah, that was a pretty interesting game. I played with, I was playing Kara and Farina and Jin Erso and Shurit, and he got to do the thing, which is um, Lando playing double or nothing and doing shrewd scoundrel on that roll to double the double oh my gosh that's a big card um, Lando's card is really big on tabletop animal for some reason um, hmm. so that quadruples the roll right if you double a double that's times four it's exponential multiplication um, so he had gotten uh, and he had cheat to win, but he didn't have to use it because the way that you do it is you you use uh, resourceful to re or not resourceful. Um, when you reroll the dice, you can use gambit. You change it to a green. You guess two for shrewd scoundrel, and then you have a fifty percent chance of doubling that result. Um, and if mm -hmm. you started off with two symbols on it, um, and you have to choose a dice that had two symbols already, then double right. or nothing will double it as well get those two damage pips. So I think he attacked Cardoon with 3PO next to her uh, with a focused Lando. No other cards, and I think he did 9 damage to her. Uh, which is a lot. And she had a block token. Hmm. Um, I so 9 damage, huh? 9 damage through the defense? 9 damage through the defense? Yeah. She is, and she has 14 health. And then he attacked me with, because uh, I thought that was the only attack I was taking, but then he played uh, Lightbow with Churret, so you got another attack off <laughs> Kara. And she lived. She lived through all of that. Uh, so Kara's fun. Uh, um, that was a really interesting game. I'll probably get it up. Um, that'll be part of my highlights video, part two. Because uh, there was some fun play with uh, Car Dune and Faint and Parting Blow. Uh, let's see. So yeah, we're looking at that interaction. 
with Lando and Double or Nothing. It's a bit uh, scary and a bit uh, consistent. It's actually not hard to pull off. Uh, the other one I played, um, I just played my league game against Derek. Um, we had kind of interesting lists against each other. I had I had updated my Kara Varina list to now have uh, Echo Base Troopers and Z6, so I could play heavy weapon cards and trooper cards with Kara, along with Parting Blow. Uh, and then he had brought Bosk and twin pairs of Trandoshans. Um, and that was quite the brawl we played on Ender Defense Station. And that game, he, I had all my guys clumped up around my terminal, and Bosk did like did two damage to each of like five or six of my figures with uh, indiscriminate fire. Let's see. And he killed off that same activation. He killed 3PO with Grizzly Contest after doing the two damage with uh, indiscriminate fire, so, and one-shotting an, uh, an Echo Base Trooper. So, boss was yeah. pretty good. Um, Kara did Kara things, Kara Dune. Um, she's still super powerful if you include Call of Vanguard and Parting Blow with her. Uh, but then, uh, had Verena kind of doing her thing. Uh, she's, I'm not sure about Verena yet, um, Derek said I played her pretty well, so I'm pretty sure it's not a skill issue. Uh, but I had this... We had a weird interaction with uh, Close Quarters where I... First of all, the only good attack, attack dice pull he had in his list was Afro. <laughs> Everything else was two dice. Uh, and then I played... Um, I used Close Quarters, and... Was that the one? Oh, no, that wasn't the one where that happened. I was thinking of... I played close quarters and got get behind me, but that was in my game against Morgan, where if you mm -hmm. use close quarters and then the other player plays get behind me to change attack targets, they get their the new target gets their defense dice, which is annoying. The new target gets their defense dice. Yeah, because close quarters removes the defense dice when you use it on somebody. Right. Oh, yeah, when you get behind me. Yeah, so if yeah. you get behind me, that that close quarters ability only affects the original target, and then it doesn't apply anymore to the new target. Just like if you element right. and they get behind me, the, the, the new target has their defense dice still. Right. So that's quite the counter to that. Because um, close quarters is not generally worth it unless you're removing that defense die, which is something we added late in her... Her, uh, development in Season 4 when we realized that it just wasn't worth it to use Close Quarters to get in close. Um, so we had to add that as an incentive. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I've been kind of on the fence. I, I've been t I was telling the steering committee, like, I feel like she's a six-point figure in terms of the, the offensive value she brings, but um, her defensive buffs are still pretty good if you can position her correctly, so... Is quite durable. Um, mm. And then finally, I had a I had a in real life tournament. I had an actual real tournament with real people um, <laughs> on Saturday the sixth. And you guys have seen me putting up some of the gameplay footage of that. And I think Dylan's been putting up footage too. I think he just posted last night his first video from that. That was so much fun. Oh my god, I want to play in person more. 
I missed playing in real tournaments with real people in the store. Um, that was a FFG format tournament, not ICP. I did that because I was hoping it would attract some of the locals to come back that were maybe shying away from ICP that I haven't seen online. Um, but uh, fortunately, we had Morgan and Dylan and Kyle Bossom come down from Canada and Seattle uh, to play. Unfortunately, the only local we had was the one I brought with me <laughs> in my car. Uh, Tim joined us. He's known online as Diablo, and he is like the organizer for all the different Star Wars games. So he loves Star Wars games, and he wanted to try, uh, play Imperial Assault. He hasn't played in a long time, but uh, he was supposed to have one more. But he, uh, you know, he had a baby shower he had to go to. You know, his baby shower. Mm. So I oh, guess that's, yeah, yeah. I guess that's you know kind of important. Uh, <laughs> apparently, they changed the date on that at the last minute. And then nobody else showed up, which was very frustrating because I had people online saying, oh, I'd be interested, I would come. So, still made a thing, thanks to the guys that came down. Still got some games out, right? What's that? But you still got your games in. Yeah, I got to play two rounds. That's what really sucked was we had five people, which is, like, super awkward. Because yeah. I wanted to play, I didn't want to sit out, so... Um, I probably should have sit out as the T.O., it's usually like good manners thing to do, but I wanted to play some games against the the guys who came down. So uh, I played Dumble Weekways Triple Focus, which is a thing they came up with in Utah back in the day in the 2020s. Uh, and we had two Triple Focus, huh? Triple Focus. Yeah, so Jabba, Gideon, and 3PO, uh, mm. and Doubt. Okay. And Doubt. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. I had made an alteration where they were running Greed, uh, Greedo, so it's Onar and Triple Focus, Double Weakways, and then they have they had Greedo and Black Market on a Jawa, like a regular Jawa. And I made an update to the list where I swapped out Greedo for Hera, but that means I had to upgrade a Jawa to an Elite Jawa, uh, yeah. and then um, cut Black Market. Some people were questioning mm. my list online, and I thought it was working a lot better. I had tested the list on Vassal um, with Greedo, and I just felt like I needed, like, I really missed Bib Fortuna. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was like, Harris, like your budget, Bib. I, I know, and I, like, I really want to modify these weak ways so they can push through Zillow technique, because otherwise they just don't quite push through Zillow and a block token. And I was like, oh, I can mm -hmm. just bring Hera, and then. She was so good in my game. She added like a damage, at least a damage every turn, um, and then sometimes added plus two damage. Sometimes when my weak ways didn't get enough surges, like if they were unfocused and unhidden. Um, yeah, so she was super good, and I'm glad I brought her instead of Greedo. Um, I don't know. Maybe you get more value out of Greedo just in terms of his actual attack, because I'm sure he deals more damage than Hera does, but. Um, Hera was great, so. And we had two Vader Palp Thrawns. Morgan brought one, and then Tim was asking me for a list, because he didn't know how to list build. So I built a Vader, I ended up building Vader Palp Thrawn for him. Um, and he actually beat me in round two, spoiler. <laughs> Hopefully I get that up. But we, like, he had gotten the buy round one, and then round two he's like, okay, can you show me how to play this list? Because <laughs> I had, like, given him a primer. So the primer for Vader Palp Thrawn is you give a block token and a surge token to Vader, 
you activate Vader second to last, you move him up to somebody, you keep him within 10 spaces of Palpatine, then you move Palpatine up, and you get an attack with Palpatine. And that's like, <laughs> that's like your, your formula or your flowchart for playing Vader Palpatron. <laughs> just do that and then here's your combo use parting blow and dark energy together or, or fool me or um looking for a fight looking get for an a extra fight. attack don't forget unshakable before you activate palpatine which he almost did in the game in his round three i was so proud though when he was like oh i was supposed to i was supposed to tap unshakable before i activate when i activate palpatine he's like can i do that and kyle was so nice he's like yeah you should do that <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kyle's very patient with right. three, so. That's good. Alright, what, what do you got for your games? Ooh, well, uh, a lot less because my game was already live-streamed, and I think you saw part of it. Uh, you gave me some constructive criticism on the camera angles for Tabletop Simulator. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. I'll look into that for the next time I, I do one of those streams. Uh, so I played against Palantiri, who is a newer player. He does a lot of campaign. And he's experienced with that, but he hasn't been into the skirmish. Um, he would talk about how he loathed Vassal. So, you know, he finally took a stab at it once the, the tabletop mod got updated. So thank you. I think it's I think it's Pwned that does that, right? Yep. Thank you, Pwned. You got, we got one more because of you. At least one more. <laughs> uh, and actually, I've seen Palantiri since looking for games and, like, people saying, Oh, I can only do Vassal right now. And he's like, Ugh. Fine, I'll struggle through Vassal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad he's starting to get into it. Um, but he decided to go with Gar Saxon and the Super Commandos and Boba Fett. Uh, I think he had all of, like, two copies of the Super Commandos in the list, and he was running Afra and Viv as his support, no Jabba. Um,. And, but he's also very new to Skirmish, so I think he just kind of picked what looked great and cool, and, you know, I think that was... I don't know how much of a choice that was to intentionally leave out Jabba, but, you know, it kind of worked out. Um, so we were playing on U-Screw, and I had a list with Rebel Troopers. Uh, so I was playing CT-1701, Kotun Ferralo, and also Baze Malbus. And I used Saska Teft to bring in Migs Mayfeld. And I actually posted this list uh, to the list builder and people, to the thread, and people were like, I don't know about bringing Migs because Kotun's ability to share power tokens doesn't, like, work with anyone but Rebel figures. And I was looking at Kotun and I was like, well, she still can give him power tokens, and he still, like, evade, like, cancels dodges with her as long as he's in range. So that's enough of her abilities that work. Uh, but I wound up having one point left on the list, which is what I actually wanted some advice on, and I was just like, I don't know, suppressive fire. Uh, and I put it on CT. Uh, but the reason for that is because, one, CT makes two attacks with Barrage, and so he, he can get the weaken off on his first attack, and then adding an extra white dice maybe isn't so bad if you're canceling one of those evades with a weaken. And someone pointed out, oh, he's already got a search for Weaken. And I was like, well, how often is he going to get three surges? Because he has three surge abilities. And even even so, uh, it adds movement points, which I thought were vital to get Baze Malbus into the fray and make him more likely to be able to use Assault to get off uh, you know, two attacks instead of needing to move. 
And it kind of really worked out where there were power tokens just being added from Bayes each round, and then uh, Kotun being able to spread them out to CT and herself. Uh, Sasuke adding device tokens to people and making critical rerolls happen. Uh, while Palantiri was using the the difficult and blocking terrain to great advantage, trying to hide Boba Fett when he started getting injured. Uh, I think I messed up my positioning a lot on round one, which I'm trying to learn from. Uh, but it was it was also like the live stream, like ah, I don't I don't know where I'm gonna go, I don't know what my plan is, but I gotta keep this show moving. <laughs> so it wound up just being a big fight around the center of the map. And I feel like we both could have played, you know, a little better. Him with more experience and me with just doing better positioning round one. But I really enjoyed the list. It came down to the wire in the end. And, ooh, Sasuke was so nice. I was able to focus her and take a shot at Afra, who would, like, run up and try to kill CT to try and secure enough victory points to win. Um, but it took a shot at Afra, And he, of course... Palantiri rolled a dodge. Uh, I had actually used Wild Attack, so Sasuke was rolling red, green, yellow, green, because she's also focused. Uh, and I add the Wild Attack, so he gets a dodge and an evade, and I'm like, oh, is that a dodge? Well, let's double or nothing that. <laughs> so he did get the block evade, which was like the only side on double or nothing that actually adds anything to the dice if you are re-rolling, you know, a dodge. And, but I use the device token, I think I re-roll a, like, a, a bad green into, like, a red, and it rolls three damage. And I'm able to get across just exactly seven, and clutch the victory right there. Nice. Oh, yeah, because if you roll an evade or block, it's the same number of symbols as a dodge, so you cancel it. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with double or nothing, if you if you uh, re-roll a dodge, there's a there's only a one in three chance that defense die does anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really is the heightened, literally is the smuggler heightened reflexes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. I liked your suppressive fire tech there. Um, I imagine the weekend helped. Did the weekend help at all with getting surges through with bays? I don't think it did in that case. Uh, maybe maybe one, but that one was also a cleave that we then asked that rule question about, and my position was, well, I heard this rule before, and I know that I can do it, but you're, you're making a pretty good argument, and I don't know how to tell you that you're wrong, so we're just going to not do the cleave this time. Um... I watched that game, uh, <coughs> and it was funny seeing the standees um, in play. Uh, and they had, like, the card <laughs> art instead of the real art. So I actually reached out to John um, after I saw that and uh, sent him the uh, art and some of our uh, tokens, like the token assets we have that we that I make. And uh, I'm hoping he's going to implement those as, like, flat round tokens instead of uh, standees. Nice. Uh, it was I fun. don't know about flat tokens, uh-huh. but I would rather have a standee so it's like tall, and I see oh, it in three dimensions. Well, because the problem was I couldn't see the standees when you're um, when you're edge onto them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I told him to also check out the Legion mod because they have a bunch of those 3D models, like the Super Commandos. I'm pretty sure are in Legion. 
Yeah, he actually told me, like, hey, I, I, you know, uh, thanks for... Because we saw a few more cards that weren't in there. So I told him, and he's like, hey, that's great. Also, I'm going to add some more figures this next week or whatever. I was like, oh, we're getting the special treatment. We're getting figures for the ISCP stuff. This is great. Yeah. I don't think he's got something for everything, but, I mean, he does have a Yoda in there. And uh, I think he said he was going to add a Baze and a Chirrut. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I saw somebody post a picture of their, like, 3D-printed Baze and Chirrut. I think it was Brendan. So that's exciting. Sorry, Brendan had a... You said he made a Baze and Chirrut model? Yeah, I think I saw he had posted, like, a picture of 3D-printed Baze and Chirrut. Mmm, nice, nice. Um, Alright. Yeah, he Um, said he's working on adding some models from Legion right now. Uh, He'll add heroic effort and suppressive fire with the next big update. And then he also found Moff Gideon was missing, so he'll slide that in. Nice. Oh, hopefully before anyone else notices. Well, uh, sorry. (laughs) I guess they're going to notice now. Yep. (laughs) The 17th is when I like to put these up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Oh, speaking of, uh, if if you guys are watching this, I guess when it comes out, then by that point, the this upcoming Tuesday should be the next time I live stream Star Wars. From that perspective. Cool. All right. I think we're ready for our main topic. Get into our main topic. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about the detailed steps of performing an attack. Um, So this is in the rules reference guide, if you ever need to look this up. Um, Here it is on your screen, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Steps of an attack. There's seven steps, uh, but really there's nine, because there's step zero before you attack, and there's step nine, which is after the attack resolves, which is um, often still referencing things that happen during the attack, so it's kind of not during the attack, but also you have to reference the attack itself, so um, we're going to talk about each of these steps, what you do in them, because it's important because certain effects can only be used during certain steps of an attack. Um, even effects that say wall attacking or wall defending, there are exceptions to the rule that says that those can be used anytime during an attack. A lot of people have seen that rule that says if a card says wall attacking or wall defending, you can use this effect anytime during an attack. Uh, There are exceptions to that rule. They're in the rules reference guide, and they are related to the steps of an attack. You have to use them in the appropriate step if you want to use that effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hate that rule that it says use wall attacking can be used at any time, because there are like three exceptions, and they're huge exceptions that apply to a lot of the effects you want to use. And I guess it was just, I'll just cover the exceptions to the wall attacking just briefly. I think I've talked about it before in a video, but uh, the exceptions are anything that's wall attacking or wall defending that adds or removes dice from the dice pool. That has to be used before the roll dice step. Anything that adds modifiers needs, or sorry, anything that um, gives you a re-roll that says wall attacking or wall defending, you have to use that during the re-roll step. And anything that adds symbols to the to the results, uh, which is known as modifiers in the game, that has to be used during step four. Uh, but I guess we're getting a, getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Um, let's talk mm-hmm. about the steps in detail here. Um, and by the way, there I'm showing on the screen right now the um, 
BGG, the Board Game Geek thread on this. Posi has made this amazing reference uh, thread for all, like pretty much every effect in the game almost that uses this attack order. Um, so it's great to check this out. So I mean, we're going to be referencing this um, during the cast, but we'll be talking about it. Right. A bit. But I think uh, by every effect in the game, you mean FFG, because this is an older post. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have ICP stuff in here, but yeah, ICP uses a lot of these. Like we use the standard templating from FFG cards. Uh, so there's only like a couple of cards maybe that have like a special timing, and yeah. uh, we'll get into that um, when we talk about this. Okay, so performing an attack. Um, first thing that you do is you have any effects that happen before you perform the attack. Um, so this includes things like marksman that says before you declare and it allows you to draw a line of sight in a special way. Uh, Dracotta's arcing shot is similar, lets you draw a line of sight or lets you target an, a figure in a special way. Um, anything that says before you perform an attack will, will do this. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, it's all listed here. You guys can see it. Priority target. Is there anything from ICP that does that? I think just like stuff that focuses you. Yeah, self-focusing effects. Yeah, I can't think of anything else really. Um, I guess technically anything that lets you perform an attack with a special action, uh, but that—that's without—that's not even during the attack, so that's not part of it. Uh, yep. I mean, Maul's a good example here. Oh, Maul. Yep. Uh, his uh, dual-bladed fury, he always gets focused before his attack, or he chooses cleave 2 and reach. And then there's, of course, his command card that lets him choose both. Oh, yeah, perfect. Perfect example. And that's on the original Maul, too. Mm-hmm. Alright. Um... And, oh, I do want to mention, so it's very important for ICP Assassinate. Um, so anything that is played before you attack does not count against Assassinate's uh, limit. Right, which is an ICP limit. Yeah, because technically um, cards played before an attack resolves or after an attack resolves are not played during the attack. You know, attack is step one through seven. That's during an attack. So you can play Marksman to get a shot off through somebody and then use Assassinate in that same attack. Alright, let's move on to step one. Alright, so now you've declared your attack. Now you have to declare a target. Um, so this comes before rolling dice. So. Step one includes pretty much everything that says when you declare an attack, or everything that adds or removes dice from the dice pool. Um, so first thing you do is, you always do mission rolls first, and then you play effects. So what that means is, uh, you'll choose a target for the attack, 
and you'll add a green die to this to the dice pool with focus. Then you can mm -hmm. start using other things. So um, things like relentless triggers when you attack when you perform an attack targeting a figure within three spaces. It suffers a strain. That will happen now. Um, tools for the job will happen here. Wild attack. Um, uh, what's the one? The primary target for hunters. Uh, element of surprise. Just mm -hmm. going through the list here. Um, and then always, we should mention this, you always do things when you're when there's an attack happening. So during an attack, simultaneous cards, so cards that are played in the same window, are always played attacker first, and then the defender plays uses their effects. Right, so now we're looking at attackers first, that's why. You've mentioned things like element of surprise. Yep, exactly. And uh, so this is also when you choose to spend power tokens, right? Yes. Is that before or after other abilities that let you do things when you declare? Um, this would be before because it's a it's a it's a mission rule. Spending power tokens mm. is a mission rule. It's not a card effect. All right. So same thing with focus. That applies first. But most people will do that out of order, and I'm as a judge, I'm totally fine if somebody is like attack you, play tools, oh, and I'll spend my damage power token too. Like, I'm fine with that. It's, yeah. You just want to do yeah. that before dice are rolled. And most people yeah. are cool with it too. Like, they like, well, you you had a power token, you would have used it, so... Um, but technically, if you roll dice, and then you, you then you wouldn't be able to spend your power token. Um, because there is an information advantage to be gained there, where you're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I, now I see that on my dice I don't need this power token, so I'm going to save it, or... Now I see I actually did need it to get the kill. Um, so you don't want to make a habit out of doing that. You want to try and spend your power tokens before you roll dice, but most people are pretty chill about it. Yeah. And then, but this is all before the defender gets to play any on-declare effects. Uh, so this is when, you know, after, you're, after the attacker, you know, adds focus, they spend their power token. Uh, this is when you would use something like get behind me. Yes, exactly. Um, or on the lamb. Yep. Well, in ICP, yeah, this is when you would use on the lamb. Um, this is when you would use cards like Iron Will uh, when mm -hmm. attack is declared targeting you. Um, something I want to mention is this is when uh, Greedo, when his slow in the draw would happen, and that's an attacker ability. Mm. So since this is an on-declare ability from the attacker, you can actually stack this with other on-declare effects in the order you want. Um, and this is important for Greedo players uh, because what you don't want is you don't want to attack with Greedo, use element and tools, and then slow, get attacked by slow on the draw. Because if they kill you, if they kill your Greedo with the slow on the draw attack, then you have to rely on parting shot to get your attack. Well, that will be a new attack, and it will not have element and tools and whatever other cards you played on the original attack, um, because that attack has been that attack is canceled basically. So, what you want to do is you want to when you attack with Greedo, you want to order it so slow on the draw happens first. Then mm -hmm. you know if you're doing your original attack or if you're going to be doing a parting shot. Then you play tools, element, all that stuff. So, are you able to resolve the 
slow on the draw entire attack and then continue to add things yes to the original attack if you don't die yes yeah exactly so Ooh. you'll resolve slow on the draw the opponent attacks you that attack that's so that now we get into nested attacks right where we have we right. have a full attack range steps one through seven happening within step one of another attack you resolve all those steps then when you're done you come back to the the upper level of step one of the original Greedo attack assuming he has not died if he does die you right. then go into another nest um, inception level you go down one further <laughs> level in within step seven of that original attack and now you're going through a, a third sub level but we'll, we'll get into that maybe later yeah well, I think the simple version of it is when you slow on the draw with Greedo, this is, it happens while you're declaring your original attack, and your opponent gets to shoot you back, but once they're done shooting you back, you are still in the declaring the attack step of the original attack. And whether or not you need to, uh, you know, parting blow or your dying shot, um, you're still... You know, you get to make that choice after the opponent attacks because you're still in that first step where you can still play all these effects. Yeah, so if you don't die, you just keep on going with the attack. You play tools, you play element, you're good. If you do no. die, you get a parting shot attack, then play tools and element on that attack. So here's a Greedo question then. Would you have to spend your power token before slow on the draw happens? Um, because it's a mission rule? I would think so. But I don't know. I have to check on that because I don't think people usually do it that way. I know they save it for when they, you know. It sounds like people do save it for picking which attack is actually going to get the power token. Uh, but it sounds like it doesn't work that way. If you have to spend the power token before you can start playing things like element or slow on the draw, because it's oh, a mission. Oh well. Okay, in Posse's thread, he actually has power tokens under, um, not under mission rules, but with the rest of the effects. So maybe I was wrong. Okay. Yeah, he has it next to everything else, like all the other tools and everything on Declare Chart okay. Step 1. Well, if that's where it is, then that's where it is. Okay, well, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Oops. Uh, learning something. So power tokens you can do any time during step one. Not at the. You don't have to do it at the very beginning. So, which is how everybody plays it. So that's fine. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, I think it's better that you're wrong for five minutes than uh, everyone having played Credo wrong since it came out. Alright, so if you post in the comments how wrong I am about power tokens, I'll know you didn't listen to the whole episode. <laughs> um, okay, right. so good question, and we figured that out. So, yeah. is there any other questions about Greedo? Now, I would like to move away from Greedo as fast as possible before we get <laughs> too confused. Okay. Uh, so I think we've covered it. Um, oh, there was another thing about On Declare. Um... And I think somebody asked this question recently. It was, um, if I use Bodyguard or Get Behind Me to change the target of the attack, um, mm -hmm. can I still play something like Iron Will that says, when you're become when you declared as a target of attack, um, 
you you know reduce the damage to three or whatever. You can't you can't suffer more than three, or anything else that says when you're declared as a target of attack. Which there are a few cards like I think Run for Cover uses that terminology, which would be played during step one. Um, the answer is yes. Even though like there's wonkiness with the wording of that, like well I wasn't the attack didn't just get declared targeting me. It was declared targeting that guy, and now it's. Tar These cards that say when you're declared as a target of attack. They are played during step one, and they can be played before dice are rolled and on the current defender. So yes, if the body if bodyguard or get behind me changes the target, you can then play Iron Will on the new target because the attack is targeting that figure, and we are we are in the declare attack step step one. Yep. Yeah. So I think another good point here is that if you're gonna play something like Get Behind Me to change the target to someone else. Uh, the effects that the attacker played to on their character are still going to apply for this attack. The effects that you may have or have been affecting your defender originally are no longer going to apply. Yes. So, yeah. So the short example for that is, you know, if I am Onar and I'm attacking and uh, I'm focused, I spend a power token, and I play Element of Surprise. Uh, my opponent uses Get Behind Me. They're switching the target to Yoda from, let's say, Luke. Um, L Onar is still going to be focused with the power token. But the Element of Surprise was being played on Luke, the original target. And when Yoda plays get behind me, runs up, and comes in to take the shot. Uh, Yoda has not been affected by elements of surprise, so as the new target, he's still going to roll his defense die. Yep, exactly. Um, one more thing to cover about step one is that if you gain a focus during step one instead of during step zero, normally you would miss it, but apparently it's been ruled by somebody at FFG that if you gain a focus during step one, you still add the green dice to your attack pool. Um, I think the only thing that does this is primary target. Uh, okay. It's on declare, but it gives you a focus. So mm. you would think that technically this would not like not even function, right? So that they had to take, make that rule just for this card to actually do what you think it would do, which is add a green dice to the attack pool. Yeah, makes sense. Um, alright, so that's on Declare, so that's step one. Uh, next we are going to go into step two, which is Roll Dice. So once you've done all your on Declare effects, you've added dice or removed dice from the dice pool, you've done all that, now it's time to roll dice. And the first thing you do is you roll the dice. Um, you don't do anything else uh, before rolling the dice, that's what you do. And then, um, well, see. there is, is this where the the new card supercharge comes in. Uh, yes. So let's see. So anything. So there's things that would happen um, before rolling. So yeah, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, I gotta think before I talk. I'm too tired. Um, yes. So supercharge is a new card that would happen during this step before dice are rolled. So this one says, this is a special action, so you actually play it even before step zero to perform an attack. Uh, and it says, before rolling dice, you add yellow dice to the dice pool until there are four attack dice total. So anytime you see the words before, 
um, you know, before something happens, that means immediately before an Imperial Assault, even if it doesn't say interrupt. So immediately before you roll your dice, you would add yellow dice. So this happen this does happen, that part does happen during step two. Um, mm -hmm. Interestingly, they have wildfire happening during step two. We had changed that so it's on declare just because it was confusing people. Um, oh, interestingly, flyby happens during step two. That's the jet troopers. Yep. So I think uh, effects that happen while attacking, but that add dice or change dice in the dice pool have to be done just before the dice are rolled. Yeah, that's interesting that he has flyby there because it says when you declare an attack. So I would have thought that would happen during step one. Huh. That is weird. And then so is wildfire, which is also when you declare an attack. Yeah. Um, front line. Oh, okay, so that's interesting. So anything that would change your dice. Uh, so he has front line here, so the echo base troopers. Mm -hmm. um, they change what dice you roll. So while attacking, if the target's within two spaces, you replace one blue die in your attack pool with one red die and apply plus two. So yeah, anything that changes the color of your dice um, before you roll. So like, front line is one. Um, actually, IG-88, um, his, um, what is it called, arsenal ability? And General Weiss's mm -hmm. epic arsenal, they have the question mark dice in the dice pool. Um, people used to ask, what does that, um, how does that work? And the FAQ says that you basically choose which dice to roll as you roll them. So this actually, the, the arsenal ability actually happens, You're it, it will affect it me. in step two. Um, it doesn't always apply in step two, like there's, if, if something references um, IG-88's dice pool, like if you use Verena on IG-88, you basically, the the arsenal, the person who controls the arsenal figure will choose the dice as soon as the dice color matters. So as soon as you go to roll dice, that's when the IG-88 player decides what color those dice will be. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that changes uh, dice's color before you roll it. You said flyby, you said uh, the Echo Base Troopers, and you said the Arsenal. Uh, Callus? Oh, Callus is interesting. Let's see. This is actually before you declare an attack. Oh. Yeah, so that's yes. before you declare. Yeah. So that's step zero. Yeah. Uh, and that's um, important, because that affects who you can target with the attack. Um, oh, oh, but yeah, it does. You're right. It says replace one blue die with one red die. So that would happen during step two. You would replace the blue with the red. How is element of surprise and wildfire different steps of the attack? Um, they really shouldn't be. It's the, I think the reason he has it there is because wildfire is undefined. Um, this is CT's card, so I'm going to pull up the original. It just says use while attacking. Problem is the rules reference guide doesn't actually explicitly say when you play 
when oh. you would play a card that removes dice from the dice pool, it only has an exception for cards that add dice to the dice pool. So oh, this card yeah. is undefined in the rules, like when you're supposed to actually use it. That's why it's so confusing to people, and people always use it after the dice are rolled to remove results, like it's a super heightened reflexes. Um, but you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to do it before dice are rolled to just remove the results sight unseen. So is the only reason there's an IECP version of Wildfire to make it more clear? Yes. Oh. So we oh, just went ahead and said, this okay. is confusing too many people. This was after CT came out as IECP. So a lot of yeah. people were using this card. And a lot of people were using this card wrong. We just kept seeing people over and over using this card wrong. And we were like, I think this came out in a between Season 6 and Season 7 period. So we'd already approved Season 6. And mm. we needed to do an update to it. And we just said, let's just put this on Vassal. Let's get this version out there so that when people are playing it, they, the default is to play this one that says on declare. That's yeah, that's that's what threw me off. I was looking at the ISCP version without realizing. Yeah, so that's why we errated that. We just said, this is like one of the few ones where we said, FFG screwed this up. We're going to make this clear for people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not much happens during step two other than that. Um, okay. Then you roll dice. <laughs> you rolled your dice, and now we go into step three, which is re-rolls. So, anything that has you re-rolling a dice, um, and of course you go, again, you go attacker first, then defender. Um, is going to use this step. So, officer's training, targeting computer, professional, um, foresight on Vader. Um, that's all during step three. Uh, let's see. Oh, interestingly, anything that gives you hidden should be used during this step. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently because... You check accuracy. Oh, because if you're if you're not hidden before the next step, you won't get the you won't get to add the effect. So so anything that would give you hidden. So like um, there's a card. I think it's like camouflage. Mm. Nobody plays it, but it's just important to mention. Uh, no, that's when attack declared targeting you. So that would not be it. Oh, here, Force Illusion. I think this is the only one it matters for. If you ever play Force Illusion for some reason, I don't know why you would use that, but uh, anytime you'd have an effect that says use while defending or while uh, while someone is attacking, you become hidden, uh, you want to use it during the reroll step. Um, and then anything that looks like a reroll but isn't, like um, Ezra, so Ezra's much to learn ability. Um, this is... Is Force Illusion really that bad? Uh, two points to become hidden. It could make an attack miss. I mean, yeah, but you can just play Camouflage for one point. I mean, yeah, you get to see what the mm. accuracy looks like with... Oh! Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, that's... That's better. I didn't know that card existed. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the the trick with uh, what is that called? With force illusion is you get to see the dice roll and then possibly force it to miss if they are um, are their one accuracy over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just usually not. It's usually very niche. Yeah. List. But yeah. anyway, uh, that's not part of the conversation. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Ezra. So Ezra has his much to learn ability. That is usually a re-roll, but there is a condition on it that says if you have a force user within three spaces, uh, you can change that attack die to any side instead. Um, so that happens. That happens during the reroll step, even if you're not technically rerolling that dice. Um, I think Yoda has a similar card. My ACP. But that happens. That can happen. Oh, that happens as soon as they roll dice. That's why we did that. So Yoda would actually, the, Yoda's card actually happens during step two. It says, use on a friendly rebel force user within four spaces, rolls any number of dice. Mm-hmm. So that would actually be played during step two. Um, the other one that is in IACP that happens during step three is rapid recalibration. Uh, this is kind of a weird one, and I'm not sure if we're going to keep this <laughs> wording on it. I don't like this wording, even though I came up with it. Um, this is use while attacking before the defender performs rerolls. So technically, you have to play this during step three rerolls during the attacker's um, reroll step. Uh, choose one attack die and turn that die to any side. I think because we wanted it to be, um, since we wanted it to be part of the reroll step, like the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so this technically happens during re-rolls. Whose card is that? Uh, rapid Recalibration. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a weird one. I think I might try to errata this soon. Be a little less confusing. Because I think a lot of people think this is, like, only you can only use this when the opponent re-rolls a dice. I've seen that confusion happen before. So. Oh. No, it seems pretty clear to me. It's... It's after all of your other reroll effects and before your opponent's rerolls. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Um, but I think that's it for rerolls, unless there's anything else. Um, yeah, I think a good point here is that it doesn't matter whose dice are being rerolled by the effect. It's the attacker's effects go first and then the defender's effects so if your opponent is attacking you with an hk assassin droid and they're going to use versatile weaponry to force you to reroll your defense die that still happens that's an attacker ability so it doesn't matter that it's your dice being rerolled uh the attacker gets to do that before you have a chance to reroll anything oh yeah that's a great point oh i think there's a couple other things I want to mention. Um, tough Luck is played during this step. Mm -hmm. So that one is whenever 
when a dice is rerolled, you can play Tough Luck to cancel that. That happens immediately after the reroll, so that's during the reroll step. Um, and Tough Luck works even if you force, if you're the one that forced your opponent to reroll. Technically, they still rerolled it. That's why they word that. That's why they word um, forced rerolls that way. And then the other thing I need to mention is uh, conversion effects. So. <coughs> Actually, used to th I used to think these happened during the modifier step, but I've recently learned that they actually happen. Not recently, like a year ago, learned that they actually happen during the reroll step um, when they happen. So my example here is Wookie Avenger. Um, if you <coughs> excuse me, if you reroll one of Chewbacca's dice um, with like a defensive reroll. Uh, if you get a dodge on the reroll, it'll instantly convert into a, uh, into a, what do you call it, an evade. So that happens, like, mm. instantaneously. Um, same thing for Kanan. He also converts mm -hmm. results. And he actually converts results during the reroll step uh, with Soresu form. Uh, so yeah. re-roll. If it does re-roll, you convert each dodge result to two blocks and one evade. Um, so that, again, happens during step three. That does not happen during the modifier step. Which is the next step. Step four. Yeah. Apply modifiers. This is where all the crazy stuff happens. Yeah, this is where the fun stuff happens. Um, so anything that adds symbols to the dice results um, is going to happen here. And this is where I know for sure that uh, conditions apply first as a mission rule, and then effects apply after that. So before you can apply any modifiers, you have to apply the modifiers from hidden, so the minus two accuracy to the attack results, and weakened. So minus one search to the attacker, or if the defender's weakened, it's minus one evade. Uh, so those are applied first, and then you start applying all other modifiers. And if you're not playing IACP, this is apparently your last chance to play on the lamp. Yeah, that was interesting playing in the tournament we played in without IACP cards. Um, that was a lot more relevant than I really thought it would be when you start adding in things like... Um, uh, doubt rerolls and uh, rerolls in general and like um, defensive stuff like being able to be like oh I see the dice and I know that if I can if I use get down with Onar here and reroll tough luck their defense their attack dice I don't have to use my on the lamb I'll just survive this attack um, so yeah in ICP lamb you can't see the dice you, get, you have to play lamb during the step one to clear attackers Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're, Lamb has its own like weird um, timing window in FFG, like the official card on the Lamb. It's got its own timing window, which is really weird. Yeah, so, and what I mean to clarify that is it's in the apply modifier step, and after you technically apply the um, the, the conditions, weaken and hidden. Mm -hmm. But that is your last chance to play on the Lamb. It's Apparently, before the opponent does any, like, add effects, add modifier effects. Because yep. the card says, use wall defending before the attacker applies mm -hmm. modifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 
that's it. All right. But. So, anything that again, anything that is adding a modifier, this includes innate modifiers. So, if your if your deployment card says plus one damage on it, or like you know, like boss says plus two damage, um, this is the step that you apply that. Um, same thing for if it has plus one block. So, Bosk again. Um, stuff like Hera, uh, called shots, you would use that during step four. Um, assassinate, positioning advantage, um, heightened reflexes is used during step four because it is um, removing results. So this is a modifier, so you'd play stuff like heightened reflexes during step four. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is different. No, I mean any innate blocks or evades someone has. Um, Zillow technique, the discard to add a block, that's during step four after the apl attacker applies their modifiers. Mm -hmm. um, deadly precision. Oh, that's interesting. So the deadly precision card. <coughs> This one says use at the start of your activation, but the actual effect will apply um, while, during step four of the attack. Oh, one more that I didn't mention. I should go back and mention um, for step two. Uh, Lucky actually applies during step two. Uh, I believe. Hmm. Oh, no, wait. When does Lucky apply? I have to go look that up. That is Defender and Friendly to Defender under... Let's apply modifiers. And I think the difference with Lucky is that it adds a dodge result, and it does not uh, convert the result. Oh, there we go. So converting results is what Kanan does, like with a reroll, which is step three. R2-D2's Lucky, if you roll the blank... He's going to add a dodge, but he's going to do that during the add modifier step. So, adding. so actually, that's not what it is, because there are effects that add results um, without that aren't that don't happen during step four. So like uh, death blow. Like death blow is played death during blow. step one, and it applies the um, extra results immediately, and they just sit there and wait for wait for the the rest of the attack to finish. Um, the reason that, and I actually know this, the reason that R2-D2 is uh, lucky applies in step four is because it's a wall-defending effect. Yeah, and then death blow applies in step one because it's a use while you declare. Yeah. Use when you declare. That's the tricky part about these, is figuring out which modifiers happen during step four and which ones actually happen in a different step. Um, like, yeah. You know, tough luck would be you. You would think tough luck would be a modifier because it's canceling results, but you the the timing is when they re-roll a die. So anytime you have a modifier that is either doesn't have a timing, like again the plus one block or plus two damage on Bosk, or it says wall defending or wall attacking, and it's adding or removing results, those are played during step four. Yep. Um, there's some simple, like, vocab you can use to kind of guesstimate when a lot of these things happen. So, if something says when you declare, that's usually step one. Yep. Um, if something 
says you can re-roll. It's usually during the re-roll step. And if something says while attacking or while defending, it's typically going to be step four. Yeah. Um, while attacking and while defending, and it's changing the dice results. Yeah. yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Brace for Impact says while defending. Uh, you're right. Yeah, so that has to happen before the dice. Before the rolls. Yep. Um, okay, so step four we've kind of established is modifiers. So once all the modifiers are added or subtracted, once you're done you know, adding your damage result, adding your evade result, um, then you move to step five, which is spending your surges. So, um, and this is important because I see what a lot of people do is they're like, okay, well, what are you going to spend your surges on? And then they tell you, and they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to add evade now. You can't do that. So, mm -hmm. if your opponent has told you what surges they're going to what they're going to spend their surges on, you're either moved past the modifier step or you need to give them a chance to change their decision. Um, yeah. So this step is you see how many surges you've gotten through that have not been canceled by something like weakened or an evade, and then you can be like, okay, so now I have one surge left over after all that. I'm going to spend it on this ability from your, your deployment card. Or if you have a surge ability from a command card, like uh, Covering Fire does that. Yeah. Although covering fire would already be in play. Uh, right, but I just mean like I didn't want to say it. it's just surge abilities from command from deployment mm -hmm. cards. Like, mm -hmm. if you've gotten yeah. a surge ability added, um, let's see. I think now, Hunter Protocol. I'm trying to think when that one would happen. This one says use while attacking. You may trigger the same surge ability up to twice. So yeah, I think this one happens during spent surges. Let's see if it's on. Oh yeah, there it is. Hunter Protocol CC. What does advanced firepower do? I mean, this this is the step where if you have any abilities that you know spend a surge to do them, that's this is it. Like uh, Defeat and the Grand Inquisitor have things like that. So Grand Inquisitor has deadly. Uh, it's a surge to apply minus one dodge to the defense results in IACP. That was upgraded to deadly spin, where it also applies cleave three. Uh, but that that just happens at the spend surges step, and you can tell because the deployment card has a surge on it before the ability. Yeah, and I will mention here that anything that you spend surges on will happen immediately, uh, with the exception of blast, cleave, and condition keywords. So, for example. Uh, you just talked about the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, when you sur when you spend your surge on Deadly Split, uh, Deadly Spin, it will immediately apply that minus one dodge to the results. Um, even though that's a mm -hmm. modifier, that is a surge ability, so that happens during step five. And then after the attack resolves, you will resolve 
the cleave three because that is just a special rule for cleave and blast. Um, and ability keywords and condition keywords. Or, yes. Yes. Yeah, condition keywords. So focus. Hide. Uh, bleed. Weaken. Stun. Weaken and stun. Yep. Yep. Uh, but anything else like gain a power token, so like Cassian, mm -hmm. uh, that happens mm -hmm. immediately. With with the conditions and with cleave and with blast, there is a condition that for any of those to work, the attacker or the attack has to actually deal damage. Yep. And, and so yep. for me, that's a good way to remember that it happens after the attack. Is that we have to finish the attack to see what happened, to see if any of these effects I'm doing are going to work. Exactly. But of course, now is where you declare them uh, if there are search abilities. Yes. Uh, most importantly, um, uh, recover. Going back to Ezra, that will happen immediately. Um, during step five, mm -hmm. you'll actually remove the damage during step five when you spend that surge. Uh, and then one other thing. Um, oh yeah, I was going to mention Soren. So Soren and recently, uh, what's his name? Gar Saxon. This card is too large. Uh, here's the old Soren. Um, advanced firepower on Soren. Adjacent friendly droids and vehicles can use your surge abilities. You would do this during step five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've spent our surge surges. We've used our surge abilities, which, you know, also add modifiers. But uh, now we go to step six, which is check accuracy. I actually always forget about this step. <laughs> uh, this is only for ranged attacks. You don't do this for melee, even if it's um, reach. Reach does not use accuracy. It's just within two spaces. If you if you roll three red dice and you have reach, you're fine. You don't need accuracy. <coughs> um, so, oh, that's funny. So this is where Zillow technique happens. <laughs> that's weird. Um, yeah, and, I, and I've known this. I would say that. But. Yeah. Well, Zillow technique part two. This is your last chance to use Zillow technique to affect Pierce. Uh, I think the I don't know if you have the form up, but the check accuracy check accuracy step is pretty short. Basically, if not enough accuracy, attack miss. Yeah. Apparently, the defender can use heavy armor. Yes, because heavy armor is just like Zillow technique. It reduces the Pierce value. And I remember when this came up way back in the day, people were really confused. Like, when can I actually use Zillow mm. technique and, and, and heavy armor? because uh, they change how Pierce works, but that's not a modifier. Um, mm -hmm. Heavy Armor says, use while defending. During this during this attack, the Pierce keyword has no effect. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the, the ruling was basically you can use these as late as you want before damage is dealt. So yep. that's why these are in step six, because the next step is when we actually deal damage. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with accuracy, but this is your chance to reduce any Pierce results because it's just before Pierce gets applied. Yep, and this is why I hate Zillow Technique, because you can exhaust it to, to change the Pierce after the opponent has spent surges. So it's a huge information advantage mm. for the Zillow Technique player, um, because if they yeah. don't spend surges on Pierce, well, then you don't have to exhaust your Zillow Technique and you have it for their next attack. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think a lot of the times where that matters, it's it's the attacker choosing whether they want to exhaust, like try to get you to exhaust Zillow for another attack later in the round. Um, but if they have other, you know, if they have other surges that they're choosing between, it's it's probably better to just choose one that's not Pierce. Yes, so oftentimes you will see players choosing their like surge for plus one damage instead of the surge for pierce two because they don't they're trying to avoid zillow technique but then that gives the zillow player the advantage on the next attack right because then they're, they're stuck in the same problem so unless you set spring the trap you're stuck with that hanging over your head when you're if you're playing a list that has a lot of surge for pierce two which i like to play sabs as people know so i find it very annoying um of course i i will add though you have to use the first half of Zillow during the add modifier step. That's before your opponent spends the surges. Yes, and that does confuse people too, is there's two effects on Zillow, right? There's the yeah. wall... Def- um, and they're, they're out of order, which is also annoying. <laughs> the exhaust to reduce the pierce is the top, the first ability. And then the second ability is, while friendly figures defending, you may discard one command card to apply plus one block to the defense results... Um, oh, I just noticed there's limits one, limit once per attack, so I guess we did need to put that on Viv Fortuna. Um, so that discard to add a block, that happens during step four, after the opponent applies their modifiers, which again is another information advantage, because um, you know what surges they have to spend, right? So it's not like that's hidden, so um, yeah. the Zillow player gets to see what like positioning advantage or whatever cards get played on the attack before they have to commit to pitching a command card, and then once again... The, the exhaust part happens during step 6 after surges have already been spent yep but I was going to say you know you can have a situation where you you will know how many surges your opponent has before you have to pitch with Zillow but you don't know for the plus 1 block but you don't know what surges they're going to use yet so if you have a situation where maybe they, they have one surge and they got to choose between a plus two damage and a pierce three, um, it's kind of like you're... And maybe you're going to die if you don't pitch the card and they pick the plus two, so you got to pitch. But then they go, okay, well, I may as well do the pierce three surge. But now you also have to tap Zillow to stay alive. So you can kind of... There's a little back and forth with uh, how much you can be forced to use out of Zillow to to survive. Yeah, I'd say that's about as much as you can do as the attacker, is you can compromise your attack to force them to exhaust Zillow. But yeah. you're never coming yeah. out on top in that interaction, because they know already what surges you have access to, and they can predict yep. what you're going to do with those surges before they pitch a card to Zillow. Yeah. As the, as the Zillow player, you basically have to like look at all their surges and predict all that, and know what their options are. And then, then you decide whether to block or not. Then you let the opponent do their surges, and then you Zillow Pierce if you need to. Yeah, there's so many fun ways I would nerf Zillow if I could. <laughs> but that card is untouchable. So instead, it's Carta Non Grata to me. I mean, yeah, if you guys nerfed Zillow, you'd have to buff a lot of health values. I'll just take Empire down a peg. <laughs> Alright, so that was step six. So we're now in the final official step, which is step seven. 
calculate and apply damage. So this is where we get into, so the mission rules here are if the attack misses, the target suffers zero damage in this step. So you just skip the rest of it. If, so the attack will miss if there is not sufficient accuracy for a ranged attack, right? Or if there is an uncancelled dodge in the defense results. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, zero damage will be dealt. Uh, and then interestingly, the pierce is resolved during this step. And that makes sense, because the next step is going to be comparing results. So, so if you have p any pierce and it's not been cancelled by Zillow or something, <coughs> this is the point. Uh, before anything else happens in step 7, you will uh, remove block results from the defense results equal to the pierce value. Mm -hmm. So if you ever wondered how pierce actually works within the rules, there you go. Um, and then finally, we are comparing, um, where is it, is it after, huh. it doesn't say here, but what you do during step 7 is you're basically comparing the number of hits in the attack results, um, and then subtract from that the number of blocks, and then the result, the net result, you deal in damage to the defender. Um, so step seven is where damage actually happens. Um, this is going to be the step where stuff that triggers off of damage happening will happen. So uh, we talked about Greedo. We're going to talk about him again, just because I think <laughs> it's funny. Uh, parting shot will trigger here in step seven um, when he suffers damage equal to his health. Uh, dying lunge is another one that happens in this step. Um, extra protection, Onar's card. That's going to happen in step seven. And uh, the new card for Baze, final stand, happens in step seven. Uh, Wait a minute. You can add. Pierce with things like Jax after Zillow? Um, I'm looking at Jax. supporting fire. Where are you looking at? What is that called? Uh, it's called supporting fire. It's uh, Jax's ability. And it's uh, like late in step 7 on the list of attacker and friendly to attacker effects. Oh, Pierce one to the attack results. Um, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> right, because it's too late. It says Pierce is resolved during this step. Hmm. You'd have to... I guess that's when you count the Pierce one from Jax. I guess it's when you count it. So I think anything that applies Pierce... Oh. Yeah. Because Pierce is not a modifier, so I think that kind of makes sense. So what he's saying is, uh, you're not using the ability, so to speak. You're, as a part of Counting Pierce it. being resolved, you would be like, oh, and also there's Pierce 1 from Jack, so I'm resolving that. Right? Because you don't actually... So I think the, the reason it works like that is, let's say you're attacking somebody that's next to Jax, and then... Um, 
if you and then if you had a, if you applied Pierce during step four, there there's an opportunity where maybe Jax gets defeated or takes damage from something or something happens and Jax is no longer adjacent to the target. Then hmm. it's like, oh, well, are you still getting the Pierce one? Well, if you applied it in step four, then it would be weird, right? Because you'd be getting Pierce without Jax there. So I think that's why mm -hmm. any Pierce that gets added would be during step seven. Which is kind of weird because if you yeah. ever made a card that was like use while attacking to apply Pierce two to the attack results, you would play it here. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's why that that card doesn't exist. <laughs> that's why exposed weakness works the way it does. So exposed weakness yeah. would happen here then, even though you play it during your activation. Um, the this is when it gets counted. The Pierce 3 would be counted here in step 7. But I think the key here is that the opponent has full knowledge of what uh, Pierce is going to happen and get calculated here. And I can see why it, it happens here where you don't remove blocks until this step because mm -hmm. otherwise uh, Zillow would happen too late. Right? If you like, okay, well I already moved the blocks but you're reducing my Pierce and so now I get mm. the blocks back. So I think they're trying to account for abilities like Zillow Technique that can alter the Pierce value. Mm -hmm. uh, so that should happen before step 7 and then Pierce is actually removing the blocks at the very last possible moment in step 7 interestingly that you can also use Tress's card to add cleave during this step uh, so that is because I know why Tress's card is the one that we just talked about earlier which is use while attacking to apply cleave whatever to the attack results yeah, cleave one and cleave two. The reason is that you can play this card whenever you want. Um, this is your just your last chance to play it because this is the final step mm. of the attack. Mm. So if you don't play it now, you lose your opportunity to play it because you're no longer be wall attacking. Mm -hmm. but you can play this during like step one if you wanted to. You can play this at any. So time. is the is the target figure defeated during this step and removed from the board? Yes. So once you. Um, resolve all these other effects uh, you compare the damage and the blocks and then you deal damage to the target and then they are defeated okay. that actually happens first I believe so this is when you would play uh, Celebration and I do want to mention this because Celebration is played during the attack so when the figure is defeated, you're still resolving an attack, even though they're dead and gone. There's still this moment right at the end, during step 7, where you're still resolving an attack, the defender is gone and removed from the board, but you're in this wall attacking step. Uh, and this is important for ICP because of Assassinate. Uh, so you cannot play Celebration if you have used Assassinate in the same attack. Because you're still in the wall, you're still during an attack. Um, so, yeah. attacker effects, attacker effects happen first, right? Yes. And still then, do attacker if we're first. so, if we're in the calculate and apply damage step, then if your opponent has a before this figure is defeated effect. Uh, attacker steps. That... So attacker defender. Of is only relevant when you have the same timing window. Yeah. Okay. So, like, for example, um, 
the only example I can think of would be like spinning kick and it's one of these things wall defending <laughs> I don't think there's anything that's really like wall defending that would happen here yeah. but those would be two yeah, I guess it all makes sense huh. so it's like you deal with the pierce and then you finally calculate the damage then you apply the damage and then I guess so opportunistic is before this figure is defeated uh opportunistic no Opportunistic doesn't have that clause on it. Does it say that? It says use after a... Oh, I'm moving on to, like, uh, just steps of the calculate and apply damage step. Yeah, so... Because I, I get what you're saying. That is when the figure suffers damage. When a figure suffers damage equal to its health, it is instantly removed from the field, from the table. Mm -hmm. um, and then you would do any, like, um, when a figure suffers damage effects. Unless... That effect says before the figure is defeated. So opportunistic would be played after a figure is defeated. Yes. So this would uh, opportunistic would be after a celebration. Uh yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I th and I'm thinking there's an interaction to a celebration and heroic effort. That's kind of weird. Um, let's see. One of your figures is defeated. So if you are the attacker and your figure gets defeated for some reason, um, you would get to heroic effort before celebration can be played, and you could possibly draw into negation. <laughs> so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I've had that come up actually. Wait, you said heroic effort happens before celebration? Uh, if you're the if you're the attacker and you get defeated. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense how it's weird. Alright. Um, let's see. So like dying lunge would happen during this time, but it's before the the figure becomes defeated for obvious reasons. But um yeah, like I said, you cannot assassinate and play celebration um, during this during the same attack because celebration happens during the attack. Uh, it says havoc shot. Let's see. I think that's for campaign though. After years. Okay, so that's after years attack. So we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, this is your last chance to add cleave. Just checking any of these cards to see if they matter to us. I don't think so. Okay, so that is the final step. So once you do that, um, oh, I'm just looking at the. Oh yeah, so miracle worker is the other one that would happen during step seven. Oh. Um, debts repaid, that one is during step 7 if they're defeated during the attack mm -hmm. this one's important mm -hmm. because um, ISB infiltrators <laughs> so that's something to keep in mind is ISB infiltrators stop all command cards from being played by the opponent um, oh that's during, an active, during their activation so I guess that doesn't really matter 
Yeah, that's that's even more encompassing. Um, what was I thinking of? Oh, I what was about thinking, K2SO? I know what it was. It was, um... Oh, K2SO? Yeah. Let's see. There was an example I was thinking of with Chewie where... Oh, he got lured by the Ooh. dark side, and so he became a hostile figure, and then he couldn't play mm-hmm. debts repaid when he killed his own friend, and that was really annoying to me, but also kind of thematic, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. He can't play debts repaid because he was... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because he's a hostile figure while he's a while he's being controlled by the opponent. So you, as the figure that originally, you as the player that originally controlled him, cannot play command cards with him because he's not friendly to you mm-hmm. during that um, period of time. But that's a completely different. That has nothing to do with the steps of an attack. That's more to do with like how command cards work. Um, while the so, player and your opponent cannot spend power tokens or play command cards. Can you play Celebration if you defeat K2SO? No, you cannot. You cannot celebrate K2SO's but he's, death. But he's already dead. Oh, that's a good point. So you can. Yeah, you can. That's right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he's removed from the table. His abilities are no longer active when Celebration will be played. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can play Celebration. Sorry, I got, got a little excited. Nice. There. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Huh. Question. Oh, that's only while defending. Cool. I mean, it kind of sucks, but cool. K2SO? Uh, just that you you can't play cards when he's defending. Oh, yeah. Which normally you don't, right? So It's actually a pretty powerful defensive ability. Yeah, but I, I do see a lot of, you know, deflection Jedis and uh, get-behind-me's, and there are some defense cards. Although if you elusive, he can't play elusive. That's what I was thinking of recently. Oh, he can't. That's true. He can't play elusive or parry. Yep. Or get miracle worker played on him. That was the main part of that design. Hmm. Ah. Well, that's why you got to play his command card. Blend in. Yes. And then you also play Mara. So Mara is uh, blending in and then runs up and hits like a truck. Yeah, I need to play that list. Invisible Mara with Blend In oh, and Vanish. so good. Yep. yep. Playing with Daveeth too. Alright. Back to the... I'm cooking up a list like that. <laughs> too. Fun. Um, okay. Yep. So now we go into the after the attack resolve step. So this is like kind of an unofficial step uh, 8. I guess I said step 9 because step 0, but yeah, yeah, 8. So technically the attack is no longer happening, so no, there's no wall attacking stuff during after resolves. But the hmm. rules are that when you're resolving um, timing conflicts with like simultaneous effects, you use the attacker first, defender second um, order. You don't switch mm-hmm. back to initiative. Because normally when you're not attacking, if there's a conflict with um, timing of abilities, it's the player with initiative resolves their abilities first, and then the player without initiative resolves their abilities last. But during this, while attack uh, after the attack resolves step, you are actually resolving it in order of attacker and defender player. So kind of weird, but that's in the official FFG FAQ. Um, nice. It says recover happens here, but I'm pretty sure that's not correct. It says recover damage keyword. So I 
wonder if that's referring to something for campaign. Uh, let's see. Because, like, Luke Skywalker has recovered, search for recovered two. Huh. So maybe we got that wrong. <laughs> hmm. I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure recover doesn't work like that. Um, but I do know for a fact that blast and cleave and condition keywords happen here. Um, and that's important for, again, we've talked about um, what happens with ranged cleave or reach cleave and the target being defeated. So that can open up line of sight to a target for cleave that you didn't previously have when you first started attacking. Um, Blast specifically triggers off the target space, so even if the figure was defeated, you blast off of the target space instead of the target figure. And then stun, applying after the attack resolves. This is important for things like uh, parting shot or dying lunge. right? If you surge to apply a stun keyword and then you defeat the target, um, they will not be stunned before they get their parting shot or dying lunge. But uh, wait, that sounded important. I was reading recover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I have not seen any rule about recover happening after the attack resolves. So I'll have to check with Posse. So yeah, I am looking at his guide, and it does say for recover, uh, some cards use the recover as a keyword. For example, surge to recover one allows the figure to spend a surge to recover one after resolving the attack. Okay. I haven't seen that in the official... And then it says, the figure can recover this damage even if the target of the attack did not suffer any damage. Huh. Okay, well... And they mention it in a few places about recover working even if they didn't suffer damage, so that seems, uh, like, indicative, or, you know, just kind of alluding to the idea that it does happen after the attack, because it's like... For it to not matter if the attacker suffer or the defender suffer damage means that it's already happened, that the defender either did or didn't suffer damage. But that's really important for things like parting shot and dying lunge, right? If you're the attacker and you kill the defender and they get to use dying lunge or parting shot, if you, the timing of when you recover that damage is really important. Wow, yeah. So I was not aware If you need to look that up, go ahead, but uh, <laughs> this sounds like a buff to brawlers, let's go. Yeah. And Greedo. But yeah, I was not aware of this. I thought you recovered immediately. So I'll have to look into that and then maybe I'll post a comment uh, on the. It does say when you surge to recover one strain during campaign, you recover immediately. That's so that's weird. That's different. Yeah, and that's. It's not really a surge ability, it's a mission role. Although it's effectively a, sur a global surge ability to the rebels in campaign. Well, we'll look into that. Yeah. Um, let's see. So everything else is... Oh, so then we were talking about stun. So I was saying that if you spend a surge to apply stun to the attack, the stun keyword, um, it will not happen before dying lunge or uh, parting shot. So that won't interrupt their parting shot. But if you... It will stop like return fire effects like um, Luke, or not Luke, uh, Han Solo and Migs Mayfeld. Because mm. the attacker's 
will apply their effects before the defender. So you apply the stun first from the attacker, and then the defender would get to do a return fire, but they would be stunned at that point, so they wouldn't be able to uh, declare an attack. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. It says opportunist happens here. But that one I'm not sure why. Opportunist? Uh, I have seen opportunist is happening during step seven. And I think I saw it in step seven too. Yeah. Oh, opportunist is not opportunistic. That's something else, sorry. No, no, it's a different... I think that's a campaign ability. Okay, I got confused. Yeah, I get you. Um, brutal cleave... This is when you suppress a fire. Suppressive fire is after the attack resolves, right? Mm-hmm. So suppressive yeah. fire can actually uh, mess with... Um, I guess you can't mess with return fire because it's moving somebody that wasn't attacking. Oh, but you can mess with the return fire if you block line of sight <laughs> to the attacker. Uh, well, you can also just weaken the attacker and they have a nerfed shot. Yep, that too, but like you can completely nerf, like you can completely stop the return yeah. fire. Yeah. Um, oh, um, uh, hit and run. I don't think that's on here, but the movement from hit and run, that actually happens immediately after the attack resolves and you have to spend it all. So normally if you gained a movement point, so like uh, jet troopers, mm -hmm. right? You They have an ability that says fly by. After, you, after the attack resolves, you gain two movement points. The two movement points you get from that cannot be used to like interrupt other abilities. It just goes into your movement point bank, and then mm -hmm. you can spend it once all other abilities have finished resolving. So you can't like fly by to run away from a um, return fire if it if that jet trooper is currently activating. Um, although you could do that if they were getting attacked from out of activation from like Emperor Palpatine. But hit and run. If I can pull it up. It says perform an attack after the attack resolves. You gain three movement points. So why is this different? Because it's a special action. And there's a rule in the rules reference guide that says movement points gained from a special action <coughs> must be spent immediately or they are lost. So because of that rule, you actually get to move three, you can move three spaces or, you know, spend three movement points like immediately before the defender gets to resolve any after the attack resolves abilities. Uh, yeah, which includes return fire. Yeah. So if you ever if you're looking for something to dodge return fires, this is another way to do it. Um, let's see. Or just add a flamethrower to your attack with Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, you can do that, and you can do it before that would resolve. Actually. Yeah. You can also yeah. do that. Um, you can do that with the new super commandos too. You can do it fire off a rocket. Mm -hmm. As an after attack resolves ability, uh, because you and a block token, and who? And a block token make that return fire less effective. You can't do the block token because uh, the block token ability is a during your activation ability, and so 
um, any ability that says during your you can only use it during your activation you cannot use that while an action is resolving and so hit and run you're technically still resolving the special action oh okay yeah isn't that weird? You, that whole the whole attack plus the gain three movement points. That's all part of a, an action. That's counted as right. an action. Yeah, and then during your activation is like when you could just do any action. Like when you're, you know, there's no active game state effect happening. Yeah, it's kind of like the equivalent in Magic of like sorcery speed while the stack is empty during your turn. It's like you yeah. can't have any other things going on to use a during your activation ability. I was going to say, you know, for as confusing as some of this might get, at least this game doesn't have mistiming like Yu-Gi-Oh. I remember that rule. That was stupid. I still barely get it. I understand but it, it. It was pretty stupid. Just playing the video games and sometimes the game would be like, hey, yeah, this effect mistiming. Like, what? Like, I like, needed that. I needed that. <laughs> it was like, if it says when it happens, but then you didn't get to do it, you missed the timing, but it said if it says if it happens, well, as long as it happened, you get to do it. I remember the logic, and it yeah. was still stupid. Yeah, something anyway, like that. Yu-Gi-Oh is a stupid game. Fight me. Well, I haven't played since, like, Sync Bros, so Somebody I'm not offended. On that. <laughs> I don't think anyone will. Yeah, I don't think so either, because they all know it's true. The people that play it still think it. <laughs> it's, people that play it hate it. Anyway. Yeah. Um... Okay, so I think we... Did we cover all the After Attack Resolves uh, stuff? I think there was one more that we should talk about, which was Davith, who has the Fell Swoop ability. Mm-hmm. Um, after Attack Resolves become hidden moved to space from another attack. So Davith is funny because um, he can Fell Swoop off of Dying Lunge. Uh, the reason for that is because they are both technically happening after the attack resolves. The reason, so that's that's the thing, is usually all the cards in Imperial Assault, they all do what they say. Like, they're very, the terminology is all consistent. Dying Lunge is weird because, and other effects that are like it, it says um, perform an attack, perform a melee attack, then you are defeated. So there is an implied from the then you are defeated that being defeated by Dying Lunge is an after-the-attack-resolves ability. It's part where it would happen during after-the-attack-resolves. So, because you can order abilities with the same timing window as you wish, if they're both controlled by the same player, uh, what the trick is with Davith is you play Dying Lunge with Davith, you attack, then you would spend your Surge during Step 5, and then after the attack resolves, you would be like, okay, I have two after my attack resolves abilities, one that's going to defeat Davith, and one that is going to let him move two spaces and perform an attack and become hidden. I'm going to use that one first, and then he can be defeated. <laughs> what? You're saying Dying Lunge is an after an attack resolves ability? The part that um, defeats you, defeats that figure, right? Because if but you but wouldn't you it, have to activate dying lunge before the the f attack that kills Davith resolves? 
Uh, it's not about the attack that kills Davith, it's about Davith's attack that he gets from Dying Lunge. Oh, and then he can fell swoop before he gets defeated. Yes, exactly. Ah, okay. If you think about it, Dying Lunge says, you perform an attack, then you are defeated. So the implication is, then, you're, mm. then so it's after, so you perform the attack, and then once the attack yeah. is finished, then you are defeated. Okay, well that's the same as after an attack resolves, right? Right, right, attack right. Attack has right. to resolve, okay, yeah. and then you're, okay, well that's after the attack resolves, so then we can order those... And I did get confirmation on that, like I think a year ago. So. That's crazy, but yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, and then then we're done. You resolve all the things. Um, Counterattack. And then what is this? These are not with the trigger after attack resolves. They are not. Ha they are happening only after performing the attack fully. Oh, and then you would have bleeding. You'd suffer strain from bleeding after all that. Which is interesting. Because it's after you resolve an action. Alright, so to review very quickly, we have step zero, which is anything that happens before declaring uh, the attack, like marksman. We have step one, which is declaring the attack, uh, which includes choosing the target, um, Checking for line of sight, choosing your target, and then any on-declare effects or any effects that add or remove dice from the dice pool. Uh, and then we have step step two, which is rolling dice, which includes um, any ability that changes what dice are in the dice pool, um, and includes anything that says before rolling dice. Um, and then step three is rerolls. So anything that says reroll a dice, attacker rerolls, defender rerolls, and always doing attacker first, defender abilities last. Um, anything that mentions being used during rerolls, like tough luck or Ezra's much to learn. Step four is apply modifiers. So any ability that is wall says wall attacking or wall defending, uh, or is an innate. Uh, plus one block or plus one damage or plus one ability. Anything that adds symbols to the dice or removes symbols, so anything that's adding a damage, a surge, a block, an evade, or a dodge, or removing any of those symbols, or anything that's adding or removing accuracy um, that is says wall attacking or wall defending. That would be played during step four. And then step five is you spend your surges. So once you have your surge results in the attack results, you get to choose which surge abilities you want to spend them on. Um, also, any effect that lets you uh, spend surges from another figure, like General Soren or Gar Saxon, would happen during step five. Step six is the check accuracy step. So if there's a dodge or if you don't have sufficient accuracy for a ranged attack, the attack will miss. Um, and also this is when you exhaust Zillow to reduce the pierce value. Um, same for heavy armor command card. And then finally, step seven, we uh, check if the attack missed, you deal zero damage in this step. This is also when you apply all the uh, cumulative pierce and you remove that many block results. And then you deal damage to the defender. Anything that triggers off of dealing damage will happen during step seven, so opportunistic, dying lunge, miracle worker, uh, parting shot, etc. Also, anything that triggers off of a figure being defeated would happen in step seven, like heroic effort or celebration. Uh, and then finally, finally, after the attack resolves abilities, so this is when you apply 
cleave, blast, uh, any keyword conditions, so stun, bleed, focus, hidden, or weaken. Apparently this is when you would recover damage from a surge ability. Uh, jury's so it does also one. say that in the uh, FFG version of the rulebook on their site. On what? On the FFG's rules reference guide that's up. Yeah. It says that about recover. Oh, it does happen after attack. the attack resolves? Yeah. yeah. Alright, well I'm an idiot. Yeah. Alright, well now we know we've learned something new, or I have. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you're all yelling at me. Uh, so yeah, this is when you would get recover from your surge abilities, so Ezra is not as immune to dying lunge as I thought he was. Um, and then this is also when you would resolve things like uh, return fire, um, flyby, hit and run, all that stuff happens uh, after the attack resolves. Fell swoop from Davith. Uh, and then finally you would suffer strain from a bleed condition after all of that. And that's it. Yeah. Simple. Simple. This is one of our longest episodes. Oh, really? Long We're over two hours. Oh, shoot. Well, maybe we'll edit it down. <laughs> <laughs> or there's just that much happening during the attack stuff. <laughs> there is. I know, I thought about cutting out all the other segments for this one, and I thought, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap it up there, then. All right. Well, I think it's a good episode. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, anything you want to plug before we go? YouTube.com slash The Second Flock. Yeah, everybody, check out I my do game live streams. Uh, going to do some Star Wars stuff there. I'm going to do some Imperial Assault, more Imperial Assault up there, too. Alright, thanks everybody for watching. See you next time. Bye. Stay frosty.